0: Hi class, this is your instructor, Scholar Hoof. So we're back here in Chapter 11, working on nervous system physiology. And I'll begin here with neurons. So keep in mind, we're about to change resting membrane potential. So the changes in membrane potential, this is used as a signal. And the neurons use these changes in membrane potential to receive, integrate, and send information. So the two ways in which the changes in membrane potential occur are as follows. So one, you have some alteration in ion concentration on the two sides of the membrane. And two, is anything that changes membrane probability, of course, meaning changes the number of open channels, it will indeed change membrane permeability, and of course, transfers information. So two types of signals can cause these changes in membrane potential. So the two signals that are produced by this are graded potentials and action potentials. And I'll say that one more time. Those changes in membrane potential can produce two types of signals. The first of which is a graded potential. This is just an incoming signal that operates over a short distance. And that is opposed to the action potential. And the action potential class, it goes over a long distance. So it's a long distance signal of an axon. So, with depolarization and hyperpolarization, they describe those changes in membrane potential relative to resting membrane potential. So, a depolarization is simply a decrease in membrane potential. So the intracellular side of the membrane becomes less negative, meaning it goes closer to zero. And if you haven't already, maybe you should draw the actual potential from beginning to end. And then it's closer to zero, so it's less negative than the resting potential, which is about negative 40 millivolts to negative 90 -90 millivolts. So this includes moving above that zero to become positive. So now you know what depolarization is. Let's move on to hyperpolarization. So hyperpolarization is an increase in membrane potential. So in this way, the intracellular side of the membrane becomes more negative meaning going further from zero than the resting potential. For instance, maybe it goes from a negative 70 millivolts to a negative 65 millivolts. And if you're thinking in your brain right now which one that is, that would most certainly be depolarization. Yes, a very slight depolarization, but it is indeed. However, if I were to go from a negative 70 millivolts to a negative 75 millivolts, that indeed would be hyperpolarization, giving more and more negative. So now let's move on to the action potential. So keep in mind, that is the long distance signal. So the principal way that neurons send signals over long distances is by generating, yes, the first portion, and propagating or transmitting action potentials. So, only cells with excitable membranes, known as A, neurons, and B, muscle cells, can generate action potentials. I'll say it again. Only cells with excitable excitable membranes, such as neurons and muscle cells, can generate action potentials. So, the action potential is just this brief reverse, or this brief reversal of membrane potential, with a total change in voltage, or a total change in amplitude, of approximately 100 millivolts. So, depolarization is followed by repolarization and a short hyperpolarization. And of course, this all occurs, class, in s- in very short amount of time, meaning in milliseconds, unlike a greater potential. So, unlike greater potentials, I say, action potentials, they do not decay with the distance. So, they continue to go on and on and on and on, not decaying as a greater potential would do. So the nerve impulse, of course, is simply an action potential in a neuron and is typically only generated in axons. So and it's only going to be generated when adequate stimulation is there. So the stimulus changes membrane permeability by opening specific voltage gated channels. So from here we're going to get into generation of an action potential. So we have four phases or four parts that are being included. So we have the resting state, which will be number one. We have number two, which is depolarization. Three is repolarization. And then four is hyperpolarization. So let's begin the resting state. So at rest, all gated sodium and potassium channels are closed. So only leakage channels are open to, of course, maintain that resting membrane potential. So each sodium channel has two gates. So there are those voltage-sensitive activation gates that are closed at rest periods, and of course they then respond to depolarization by opening. And of course, in an activation gate, of course it blocks a channel once it opens. From there, depolarization opens and then inactivates the sodium channels. So in contrast, each active potassium has a single voltage sensitive gate, and that is closed during the resting state. It opens glass very very slowly in response to the depolarization events that occur. Let's get now to number two, which is depolarization. With depolarization, the sodium channels open, so there's going to be local currents that depolarize the axon membrane, and then the voltage-gated sodium channels open, and sodium rushes into the cell. This influx of a positive charge depolarizes the local patch of the membrane further opening more and more sodium channels. Hence, the interior of the cell becomes progressively less negative. When depolarization reaches that critical level, that threshold, which is approximately negative 55 millivolts to about negative 50 millivolts, depolarization becomes self-generating, meaning it's urged on by that positive feedback going further and further, further depolarizing. So as more sodium enters, the membrane depolarizes further, opening more and more, and then, of course, finally, all sodium channels. So the membrane becomes less and less negative, and then you get the overshoot that you love to draw each and every day, and that spike of the action potential. So membrane permeability and membrane potential, of course, they both cause positive feedback. Let's get on down to repolarization. So with repolarization, the sodium channels are inactivating and the potassium channels open. So it's the explosive action potential that lasts only about one millisecond. It is self-limiting because inactivation gates of the sodium channels close to inactivate. So membrane permeability to sodium declines, and then we get back to resting levels. So the action potential spike stops. The slow voltage-gated potassium channels open, and the potassium rushes out of the cell following its electrochemical gradient. Restoring internal negativity of the resting neuron. This is called repolarization. And it's caused by this abrupt decline in sodium permeability and this increased permeability to potassium that contributes to repolarization. Let's get to number four to finalize what's happening here. So now we're to hyperpolarization. So some potassium channels will remain open and the same happens with some sodium channels. They reset. So, we now have the period of an increased potassium permeability and it typically lasts longer than needed to restore the resting state. So excessive potassium efflux right before and then the potassium channels close. So a hyperpolarization, a hyperpolarization is seen with this slight dip after the spike and then the sodium channels reset, reopening inactivation gates and closing their activation gates. So, to end things, repolarization restores the resting electrical conditions, but not resting ionic conditions. So, after repolarization, the sodium potassium pump redistributes the ions. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you now have a better understanding of not only how resting membrane potential is there, but also you understand now the action potential, that brief but long-distance signal within a (laughs) neuron. So make sure you all study well, and I'll see you in class very soon.